Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Good morning, listeners. It's Trish Hammond here from Transforming Bodies podcast. And today I'm going to be speaking about something really, really well, exciting to me and I think is very relevant at the moment. I'll be speaking um, with Nina. Now, Nina is actually the, the um, she's the, well, she runs a website. <laughs> she's a, but basically we're going to talk about pulmonary, pulmonary hygiene. I'm going to get Nina to explain to you who, who she is, but she runs a website called Luft for Life. And pretty much when I came across her, I was really excited because in these times of, you know, CV19, I think it's really important for us to understand, you know, that um, I didn't know this, but um, breathing, basically you use a muscle. So it's up to us to kind of get that muscle working. So there are things out there that can help us with exercising our breathing muscles, for want of a better word. So I'm going to um, switch straight on to Nina and she can tell us all about it. So welcome, Nina. Hi, Trish. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks um, for having, coming along. Nina, you're in Vienna, aren't you? So it's 11 o'clock at night there, hey? <laughs> yeah, I'm close to Vienna. I'm in Austria okay. and it's quite late at night, yes. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know where I got Vienna from. I knew it's Austria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, I'm a half an hour away from Vienna, so. Yeah, fantastic. And you guys have been in lockdown for a full month now, haven't you? Uh, we've been, we, I think we're in week five or something. It's wow. been a while. Yeah. Wow. So it must be crazy times over there. But tell us, so tell us about pulmonary hygiene. First of all, tell us, tell us your background, Nina. Okay. Um, I'm a geneticist by background um, and have worked in basic research for, I think, 12 years in academia, really doing unrelated stuff with flies and chickens and uh, working in the fields of reproduction. And after doing that, kind of about five years ago, I changed into the respiratory field, really, working mm -hmm. for a company called PN Medical. And they are in Florida. And I'm still working as their chief scientist there. And they have um, the founder of PN Medical is a woman called Peggy Nicholson, who is a respiratory therapist. And she invented, 40 years ago, she invented the first respiratory muscle trainer, which is called the breather. And that's kind of how I got into the whole breathing field. Um, and we're, we're still working with this, with this device. It's, really, it's a really popular device. has been sold more than 1.2 million times since then. Um, and we're doing clinical studies. We are providing for people with um, COPD, with asthma, with heart failure, um, as well as for athletes and help them with the breathing. Mm -hmm. And as Trish, as you mentioned, um, I also have my own company now called Luft for Life. That's here in Europe. And we are also working with uh, respiratory muscle devices. We're working with the breather and we're working with another device, which is actually an Australian device called the Air Physio. And that's an OPEP device that you only exhale against. Um, but in general, kind of the breathing field is kind of what I got into and I really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's really funny because I'm an asthmatic and when you, of course, because COVID's around, I'm all like paranoid because like I'm, I've obviously, um, you know, I've got a, you know, a, a chronic thing that, that can affect me if I get COVID. But why is something not like this 
do you know why something like this is not available to every asthmatic in the world or everyone who suffers from sleep apnea? Like, because if it's that good, why don't we know about it? Like, I was so surprised when I found out that there was anything like that because I've had asthma since I was 10. So for over 40 years, no one's ever, like, I was quite blown away when I was like, what? You can get devices to help you to, you know, exercise your breathing muscle? It is, it is really under this is because what these respirator muscle training devices do they work on the underlying condition which is respiratory muscle weakness so like any other muscle weakness your respiratory muscles can be too weak and in many people they are and that's because even if you exercise even if you're a runner or if you do other exercise you're training your respiratory muscles as well but not in isolation so even then they might not be as good as they could be and if you if you have a normal, you know, non-athletic life or you're just doing recreational sports and you're sitting a lot, then the diaphragm, which is your main breathing muscle, doesn't get used. You know, it is for the diaphragm sits, it's a, it's a massive muscle. It sits underneath your ribcage and it kind of separates your thoracic cavity up here from your abdominal, abdominal cavity. And what it does when you breathe in, it kind of, it's dome shaped and when you breathe in the whole muscle moves downwards into your belly and kind of pulls the lungs down and really increases the surface of your lungs and when you breathe diaphragmatically this is what happens the diaphragm moves down and you increase the surface of your lungs you increase the space that the alveoli have and these are the little bubbles where the gas exchange actually takes place so where the oxygen gets into the body and the carbon dioxide gets out and mm -hmm. this is why this muscle is so important but most people these days actually don't use it. They, they are chest breathers. You see that really often, especially when, you're, when we're stressed, we're chest breathers and we don't use our main breathing muscle anymore. And this is why it, it becomes weak. But that it has become weak is under-recognized even by most clinicians. If you have asthma, they might treat your symptoms. They say, you know, if you, have, if you can't breathe, take an inhaler, which... which immediately kind of opens up your lungs but it doesn't treat the underlying condition so mm -hmm. i'm with you i think everybody should be doing it because it's such a simple thing to work your muscle like you would work any other muscle you know if you've yeah. got problems in your back you work your back muscles you know if you want to get stronger legs you work your leg muscle leg muscles if you've got a weak diaphragm they give you an inhaler it doesn't make sense um I'm with you. <laughs> it's really crazy because uh, I don't understand why here's a prescription for inhaler and here's something to, you, you know, here's, you know, a little device that can help you to exercise your breathing muscle. Like why wouldn't that be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's with, you know, with COPD and heart failure patients, you're like the biggest patient population. They really suffer from respiratory muscle weakness. And mm -hmm. the biggest and the most burdensome symptom of COPD and heart failure is dyspnea. That mm -hmm. you really is the breathlessness. And this mm -hmm. is what, what, they, what these patients find the hardest thing to deal with because there is, it comes with the panic of not having enough air. And there is no pharmacological solution for this. There is no, there's nothing you can do. You can use an inhaler which kind of solves the problem for minutes. Or you can use oxygen, which most COPD patients have. But still, for most of these patients, the clinicians are not aware that they can actually give them a device that trains the respiratory muscle, makes them stronger, and reduces this dyspnea. Mm. Yeah, because uh, like for me, um, the, the most frightening thing is um, 
the thought of um, dying without being able to take a breath because I know what it's like to have asthma and just not being able to get enough air in to take it. Even now, just thinking about it makes me anxious to take enough air in to get that breath. It's really bloody scary. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the anxiousness, that, anxiousness that comes with it and the anxiety that, of course, kind of enhances the, the symptoms of it. So yeah. you need to... And you need to kind of the breathing exercises that you get with using respiratory muscle training, the diaphragmatic breathing, which really activates and resets your breathing pattern. That is so important that you learn how to breathe properly again to activate the breathing muscles that you should be using. Yeah, yeah, but that makes so much sense. So tell me, it's like I know this has got a big influence on your body and, and you were saying to me before that it... Um, somehow it can influence the hormones as well that are produced. Um, and you, you were saying that was about how, um, you know, anxiety regulates your breath. Can you kind of explain that to yeah, us? The, uh, yeah, this is um, the way you breathe is, is inter so if babies who are born, they automatically breathe diaphragmatically. So you, if you, if you look at a sleeping baby, the belly goes, goes out when it breathes in and the belly goes in if it breathes out. So this is the proper diaphragmatic breathing. You really see the belly move. Um, and this is the, the natural way of breathing. And if you get older, most people start to use the chest more than the, than the belly for breathing. And it, this is the stress response because we are, our lives tend to be quite stressful. And you can't get into the habit of just breathing with your accessory muscles. You've got loads of accessory breathing muscles along your ribs and up there in your shoulders, around your neck. And you can actually, by lifting the shoulders and by using the muscles along your ribs, you're actually expanding the lungs a little bit to, to help get the air in and you draw the air in, but you're not using your main breathing muscle. Um, and and, um, and this, then you get kind of dysfunctional breathing. And this is the pattern that we see in most people. And this is due, and this tells the body constantly that you should, that it is in stress because mm -hmm. this is the stress breathing. We breathe up there. We hyperventilate. Many um, people also hyperventilate just because they don't, with shallow breathing, it's really inefficient. So you need to get a lot of air in too because you constantly, your body feels like it doesn't get enough um, oxygen. Mm -hmm. And also because the body thinks it's in stress, it actually prepares for the fight and flight mode. Mm -hmm. So it expects that it's going to have to start running now. So you, you, the breathing rate is increased. Um, and this tells the body that it's, it is stressed, but it also stresses the body even more because it doesn't actually get enough oxygen in and it doesn't actually get the carbon dioxide out that yeah. is produced. So that means that you end up with more carbon dioxide in your body than you need. Um, and it's kind of, it's a vicious circle that you can really, but the good thing is that, Breathing is, works, of course, unconsciously. You go to sleep, you still breathe, but you can also regulate it consciously. So you yeah. can train how to breathe. You can train the breathing pattern. You can stop breathing. We can't do this with the heart, but we can do this with the, with the respiratory system. We can actually stop breathing. We can decide that we take a long breath in, we get a long breath out. So we can totally retrain the breathing pattern. And by doing this, you can really do experience a lot of benefits you know just by you can it's the balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system so the sympathetic nervous system it's again it's the fight and flight response the stress mm -hmm. response the parasympathetic nervous system that's the one that's really 
um, for the internal organs that when you're relaxed then this is and this is activated and this is what we want more of just to get rid of the stress to calm down the body calm down the heart rate um, and this this really goes by the breathing if you exhale longer for example if you take a deep breath in and then take a really nice long exhale with diaphragmatic breathing that activates the the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve then activates the parasympathetic nervous system and that's the state you want to be in that immediately reduces the st uh, stress response it also reduces um, inflammatory responses for example because with the stress response the body also prepares for injury so your immune system is constantly alert because injury might occur you know you're preparing for a fight and by kind of with the breathing you can regulate this whole system and calm the whole system down again yeah and also with that kind of um regulate a little bit the hormone response that you're getting so, so the right way to breathe then, I, like I'm going to do this while I'm talking to you because I'm a very, um, you know, practical person. <laughs> so basically Good. the proper way to breathe is when you breathe in, your stomach should come out. So hang on. Yeah. When you, when you breathe in, your stomach inflates. That's so, so the, hard though. <laughs> like it's, it's like, not that it's hard. This but, should, yeah. This should be your natural way of breathing. Really? Yeah, this is, this is why, but it's kind of just to bring the awareness. The, the first point that you should do is just bring the awareness to how you're breathing. Just kind of observe yourself. Are you breathing shallowly? Are you breathing? Does your belly move at all if you're breathing or not? Do you, I usually do you sit upright? Are you hunched forward? You just kind of observe all of this. Are you a mouth breather? Are you a nose breather? Um, and then kind of slowly you can train yourself to proper habits to breathe through the nose if you can mm -hmm. especially in times of you know respiratory pathogens flying around you want to breathe through the nose and you want to do big diaphragmatic breath kind of the, the the belly should inflate when you inhale and deflate when you exhale okay i've got, I've got a, a inflate when when um sorry inflate when inhale and deflate yeah. when dehal. Oh, that, that makes so much sense. That makes sense. That makes sense because the yeah. air goes in, 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 in the valley, you know, so it's, it's kind of, you need the yeah. space. You're creating yeah. more space by that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to practice that. So, so tell me, so if someone was to, like, is there a time that it would take to kind of, you know, fix up your breathing or, or like, is, or is it just something that you just need to do all the time? Like you go to the gym and you build your muscles. It's just, it's something that we should just be doing all the time as a conscious thing to get our health in check. Yeah. I think the first thing that you do is you need really, the more aware you, of it you are, the more aware of it you become, you know, when you start noticing how you breathe, you also start no noticing if th when things go wrong, you start noticing when suddenly you start hyperventilating again or, um, for example, if you can't to calm down at night, you know, you can also, it's quite often that you lie in bed, you can't sleep. And then you start observing your breathing pattern and you realize that you're actually panting almost. Mm -hmm. And then there are, there are different strategies for that as well. Um, we've been collaborating with, um, Shane and Angie Saunders. They're actually in Australia as well. And they're breathing trainers and they, um, work with different shapes of breathing. They have a circular breathing pattern where you, for example, you breathe in and breathe out without pause. So you link those breaths together and that kind of catches up with the stress 
that with, for example, a racing heart, you know, if you lie in bed and you can't quite calm down, you can't stop your racing mind. That's a really good um, breathing exercise to kind of catch up with the stress and then take your breathing and then slow it down to, to a triangle shape, to an inhale, exhale, pause. That's the normal resting state that you to calm your body down. You want to, want to inhale, you want to exhale, and then you want to pause. That's calming breathing that's coming down the nervous system and this and that kind of brings the body to rest and that's if you have this breathing pattern then all the stress responses are reduced as well in the body mm -hmm. and by so by regulating your breath you can you can constantly kind of regulate the stress answer that or this the stress response that your body is is, is having yeah yeah and and you were mentioning as well like tell me about people with sleep disorders like um you know, because I know that these um, breathing trainers are helpful for people who have sleep problems. And then you were also telling me, uh, you know, like you, about when you drink alcohol at three o'clock in the morning, you wake up. So I know you've got another, like a, it's similar to a Fitbit or an iWatch, but it, you actually keep it on all the time, even when you yeah. sleep. Um, can you explain, because I'm really excited by that one as well, because I know that <laughs> I'm, I'm menopausal. I toss and turn all night, but I... I would love to actually be able to track that so that I could actually make that better or, or you know, work on yeah. techniques to make that better. So how can, how can that help with that? Um, yeah, this is, a, it's called the bio strap. That's the, the little thing that I'm working mm -hmm. and that's, that's I'm wearing. And I've, I've had this on for, I think more than a year now. Um, and I really like it. It's what it what it measures. It measures um, your, your respiratory rate, your heart rate, your heart rate variability, and your oxygen saturation. And it also, during the night, it records when you're in deep sleep and when you're in light sleep. So it kind of gives you a really good indication of um, how much did you sleep, how much did you really sleep, like what percentage of that was deep sleep, where your, your brain's really recovering, how often did you wake up, it also measures uh, your movements. How much did you move during the night? You know, were you really tossing, tossing and turning the whole night or were you only tossing and turning for like an hour? And it just kind of, because you were in light sleep then, is this kind of what appears to for you that it seemed like it was the whole night. So you really get a good indication of the quantity and the quality of your sleep as well as the recovery rate. And this is where the heart rate variability comes in. So that's, the heart rate variability measures essentially um, the difference between your different heartbeats. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never, your heartbeat is rhythmic, but the, the duration between each single heartbeat differs slightly. And this mm -hmm. difference is, is measured and it gives an indication of your recovery rate overnight. And this is something that you can also really feel if you tune into your body, it just gives you a bit of an, um, an opportunity to tune into your body because sometimes you wake up in the morning and you think I've had seven hours of sleep. Why do I feel so bad? Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, you can look at, at, at how you've slept and you see, Oh, my heart rate variability has not recovered at all. And this might be because I worked until I went to bed. I worked till midnight. Um, I was sitting in front of the computer without, I mean, I'm wearing without, um, for example, wearing blue lens filters. That's what I'm, wearing now the glasses are just for the blue just like blue light filters um and i was if i don't wear them i can definitely tell that i'm my sleep is getting worse just because my my body thinks it's daylight 
Mm-hmm. Um, and just, oh, you know, you've been drinking alcohol. You've been, you've had a big meal. These things just kind of, you still get the quantity of sleep or you don't get the quality of sleep anymore. You don't get the recovery rate. And with, by monitoring this, you can just learn a lot about yourself because it's mm-hmm. direct feedback. And next morning you can see, oh, for example, when I drink alcohol, I wake up between three and four in the morning and that's the time where the liver regenerates. Um, and obviously my liver had to work, so it woke me up. So, it, and um, it's just, yeah, it tells you a lot how, what you can improve about your sleep hygiene or about your lifestyle. If I mm-hmm. exercise more, I sleep better. That's a direct, you can, you know, directly tell um, last October I started running again and my heart rate variability score just went up and my recovery rate overnight just went, went up just because cardio exercise does that to your body. Mm-hmm. So it gives you direct feedback without needing a personal trainer. Yeah, of course. And also uh, I think what I like, um, I like the sound of um, it because it's like another form of um, like learning about your body i can't believe what, like it's almost like the stuff that we should be learning when we're children just as a natural thing but we kind of get it knocked out of ourselves and we learn it later when you know when something goes wrong or, or whatever so it's almost like if we can teach ourselves now and teach our our children this and and hopefully it'll it'll be not so much about living a longer life but living a you know a better life a more you know, a more breath-fulfilled life, I guess, for want of a better word. And a more resilient one. I think if you're just more in tune with how you're recovering, how your body is doing, you're, I think you can detect infections early and you can kind of optimize your immune system. You can just kind of try things that work for you to keep you resilient. You know, how much sleep do I need to function properly, for example? Yeah. Um, do I need to go to bed for me, for myself? I know if I go to bed at midnight, that my quality of sleep is much worse than I go to bed at 11. Mm-hmm. But for someone who's a real night owl, that might be totally different. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it, it, it tells you those things about yourself because they're not the same for every person. Yeah, that's true. So you learn, learn what's right for you and you can change things around it. And you're absolutely right because I know for a fact myself, like I feel like I toss and turn all night, but I did stay up quite late on my computer and I didn't have a blue screen on. I went from my computer, shut it, then went to bed. I thought, God, I better go to bed because it's getting late. And I had a shitty night's sleep. So obviously if I can track that, well, then I can backtrack and see, you know, what I was doing and, and hopefully work. Okay. So tonight I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to try and get a good <laughs> night's sleep. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it might actually, because what I've discovered, what works for me is just kind of take 10 minutes and do something that calms me down, read a book or something, or, you know, just breathing exercise, just something that calms me down rather than going to bed straight away because I think I need the sleep. I need to go to bed now and I need to sleep now. And that just kind of triggers the stress responses. And then I'm kind of nervous, you know, anxious about not sleeping, which is totally counterproductive. So yeah, of course, of course. And um, so this is totally off the thing, but do you think it's okay? Cause like, I know for, for a fact myself, like I'm one of those people that wakes up in the morning. It's like, wham, the day's here. I can't wait to get up. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I can it's only that. four o'clock. I better lie down. Oh, it's only, you know, five o'clock. And then, well, as soon as five o'clock hits, I'm like, right, that's it. I'm up, you know. Um, but I'm also <laughs> one of those people that wants to, wants the day to keep going. Like I never want to go. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I, know, I just want to stay up longer and longer and do more <laughs> and whatever. So is it okay to like have a sleep during the day? 
Um, if it works for you, yes. I don't think exactly. it will, but I just wondered. <laughs> I think uh, um, that is also because this kind of depends on 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 how your it's called um, circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Because you know it is actually genetically that some people are night owls and some aren't, and some are early risers, and that's kind of a little bit in your genes, and you just kind of have to work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you seem to be neither. You seem to want to stay up late and then wake up early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should try this. Um, whether a nap helps you, whether you can then still sleep at night, or whether you're up, you're up all night then, or also it might be for some people it works that they have the nap early. Like if they have the nap before two o'clock or something, it works. If they have it later, it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And then kind of takes out of their, out of the night sleep. So that's just a little bit trial, trial and error. But generally, um, a power nap during the day for your brain is always a good thing. Mm. So you just have to find a space where you'll kind of wake up afterwards, um, awake and alert and not totally dizzy and drowsy. Mm. Uh, yes, I think because I've got an Italian heritage and I think it traditionally the Italians have that <laughs> siesta in the afternoon and I can remember the first time I went to Italy, I was doing it and I, I didn't change anything about the way I lived, but I lost weight while I was over there because um, I think because, yeah, maybe that is my, um, what's it called? Circadian rhythm. Circadian, circadian rhythm, yeah. But okay. also, you know, if you, if you sleep enough, you're... Mm metabolism kind of works optimally so you do actually need the sleep to Mm -hmm. metabolize food so it does actually you can actually kind of sleep yourself thin thin oh my god i can (laughs) see that sleep yourself that's a perfect way to lose weight (laughs) i am so interested in this topic and, and i think that um all of the listeners will be as well and even um doctors and their clinics and all that because i'm sure that people have surgery as well um or have treatments like if you know you want to get back on track as soon as you can and of course when you go under or anything like that your breathing is always affected so something like this could be really beneficial um for doctors and clinics to adopt as well hey like get your you know start getting your breathing in order because it could help you to recover do you think and that there's actually that has there's really loads of evidence that came out over the last few years, scientific evidence for that, that it's something called post-operative pulmonary complications in operations where you're intubated. Um, and that's usually, it might be cardiac uh, operations, but it might be any other operations where you are intubated and where you are at the risk of kind of having mechanical ventilation, even for a short amount of time. If you um, strengthen your respiratory muscles before the operation, before you, go, as soon as you know that you're having an operation, um, start using a respiratory muscle trainer, strengthen your inspiratory and your expiratory muscles. Um, it has been shown that um, you reduce the risk of those post-operative pulmonary complications. There can be atelectasis, pneumonia, um, and that's just because you're lying down after the operation and there might be mucus building up in your lungs and you, you can't get it out because you're, when you're lying down, all your muscles get weaker and your respiratory muscles as well. So mm-hmm. then you can't get the mucus out and then you might pick up an infection in the hospital. And pneumonia after an operation is a really, it's, it's, it's high risk. You know, that's really, you're really not in a state to catch pneumonia then, but that's what happens often. And if you strengthen your respiratory muscles before the operation, it has been shown that it reduces that risk by 50%. Yeah, wow. Also, also the length of stay in hospital is reduced. Um, 
um, length of stay in the ICU should you end up there, that's reduced. And if you should require mechanical ventilation, the duration of mechanical ventilation, that's been shown to be reduced as well if you strengthen your respiratory muscles before. Actually, the, the, the breather, the respiratory muscle training device that I'm working with, we're just doing a, a clinical study in the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. And that's with um, people, they're undergoing um, kind of a bypass surgery for the other part of the heart, the left ventricle. Left ventricular assisted devices. It's kind of a, it's a massive pacemaker that you get implanted if you have this. And these patients, they really suffer from breathlessness. They're really dyspneic. And that's one of the biggest complications after surgery. And we're just doing a clinical study right now. If we usually, the patients usually arrive about five days before the surgery and we give them a breather then and we train them for five days, they have to use it. And then after extubation, after the surgery, they go straight back onto it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've only had the first few patients in, but it looks really, really nice so far that they really get out of the operation in much better shape and they get um, extubated. So they, mm -hmm. they, they stop being intubated much earlier. Okay. So, so for example, like my dad's um, had a pacemaker and I've noticed myself since he's had it, he's definitely a lot shorter for breath. So something like this could actually really help him to get that breath. Cause I can see he gets a bit anxious when it comes time to, you know, with his breathing, I can see yeah. it myself. Totally. Because the, the cardiopulmonary system is one system. So the lungs and the heart work together. Mm -hmm. If you have a heart problem, you also have a breathing problem. Mm -hmm. If you have a breathing problem, you might also have a heart problem. 64% of COPD patients also have heart failure. Mm -hmm. So it's just this, it's really connected. So, um, Absolutely. If, you, if you've got a cardiac problem, you need to also look after your respiratory muscles and get your respiratory muscles in shape. Yeah, look, it makes so much sense. It's all um, connected. And I just want to, because you, you talked about the post-op pulmonary, what was it? Post-operative pulmonary complications. Com okay. Okay. Oh, cool. I'll write that down then. When I, when I go back to do, do a bit more research, I, I'll know what I'm talking about. Right. Okay, well, that, look, that sounds so interesting. And I'm just going to ask you one more question before we, well, I will ask you two questions. But um, the other question I want to ask you, so it's never too late to start to look after your breath, is it? Because even if, even, you know, people in old, people in, you know, in old folks' home or retirement villages, whatever we like to call them, or someone who's in their 80s, there's nothing wrong with them starting like a breathing routine, you know, as an exercise routine now at all, is there? On, on the contrary, especially for elderly people, because it's, it's the breathing muscle, uh, muscles is, you know, the, the diaphragm, that's one thing. Um, and this is, they are really affected. They, they, they looked at um, institutionalized elderly, so people in, in, in care homes, and they found that 100% of them have respiratory muscle weakness. Wow. So, and that's kind of, because they're not exercising anymore, they, they, are, they do get out of breath quickly, so they exercise even less. So it's kind of it's a vicious circle as well. So the one thing they, they could all do is train the respiratory muscles. And that would help with the breathlessness, but also with dysphagia, with the um, swallow problems that mm -hmm. many of them have. Because, you know, you always, there's like, oh, the elderly, they get pneumonia more often. They do get pneumonia because the swallowing doesn't work properly anymore. Mm -hmm. In elderly people, you can often tell that they, during a meal, they kind of swallow a bit harder. They, <clears throat> they have to clean the, the throat a lot more. And that's because the swallowing muscles are not working 100% anymore when you get older. And using a respiratory muscle trainer, it also trains um, your laryngeal muscles up there, the muscles that you use for swallowing. 
And if you keep those in shape, then you're just at a much lower risk of getting the aspiration. So that means getting food into your lungs. And if you, and this is what causes the pneumonia, because you always, if they aspirate during a meal and they cough and they choke a little bit, they always get a little bit of food in the lungs. And that just sits in the lungs then. And if you get a respiratory pathogen in there, then you get the infection just because it, they, you already have, have this, this kind of nutritious um, food layer there, which shouldn't yeah. be in there. So it would be a really good idea, especially for elderly people to train the respiratory muscles and fit because, of, because of the swallowing problems as well. Mm -hmm. Oh no, that sounds amazing. And, and the last thing I was going to ask you is, um, I'm, uh, of course, I, I really want to get this out there because I think this is something really important that um, clinics should be aware of, that they can introduce it into their clinic. Because the thing is, even though you go to an aesthetic clinic, it's, it's about your wellness. You want to be you know, well. And, and I know for a fact that the more air you get in, the younger you're going to look, the more vibrant you're going to be. It just makes so much sense that it goes hand in hand with it. So, so my question to you was going to be, will you come and join us one more time when, when I go into another group um, to run a Zoom with a Facebook Live in the group there in, in the next week or so? Of course, my pleasure. You're wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. You're wonderful. <laughs> and, and we'll do it. Um, well, I'll try, I'll try and get up an hour earlier and we can do it a little bit earlier so it's not so late for you because are you going <laughs> to, what are you going to do before you go to sleep now? Um, brush my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll see. Probably, um, I like to. I like to go to sleep with brain waves. I love that. Kind yeah. of, they really calm me down. So yeah. that works. That works quite nicely for me. Okay, so you put some earphones in and you just listen to. Mm. Oh. I just listen to brain waves. Yeah, that would yeah. probably work for me I too. Like mm. Awesome. Well, look, I've got to say thank you so much for for joining me. I can't tell you, like, ever since I spoke to you last week, I've been really excited, and and today I'm even more excited as well. So, because um, it's it's almost like when something when someone tells you something, and then the penny drops, and you realise, oh my god, like this this well, to me, I think this should be you know this should be common knowledge, really. It should be common, and this is where I'm really happy to spread the word. You know. Yeah. It should be common knowledge. And these are really simple things, you know, breathing exercises, respiratory muscle trainers there, you know, that little things, they're inexpensive, they're cost effective, and everybody should know about them that you have the possibility to do something for yourself very easily. Exactly. I agree 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing this around. Look, I've got to say, Nina, th thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it so much. I've spoken to you twice now. I can't wait to speak to you again. <laughs> I feel like you're going to be thank my therapist for a long time. <laughs> thank you. So well, thank you. It was a pleasure. 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 So, listeners, look, if you want to find out a bit more, you can drop me an email. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of research on this. I'm going to um, try and get these devices available um, here for you to purchase as well for your clinic, your patients, for yourselves, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, you can just send me an email to info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au and I'll be speaking to Nina regularly. Please, thank you so much for joining us today, Nina. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.